in the morning when you need the news that matters most. We have a constitutional right to publish this story. We are the fourth estate and we will hold the powerful accountable. You need the front page. Wait, what's the fourth estate? Us, the press. And everyone knows that? On the press box. Because I feel like people always say the fourth estate, but they don't actually know what it means. I think everybody knows what it means. I thought the fourth estate was time. That's the fourth dimension. I thought the fourth estate was Georgia. With Graney and Bischoff. No, not state, a state. You thought I was saying we're the state of Georgia? Jack Eichel is expected to arrive in Las Vegas this week, no! according to David Shane. He's on the horizon. He's on the horizon. We can see him from the horizon. He has... Dave Shane's out there with binoculars. <laughs> he has been skating. Uh, not here yet, but he's been skating. Has not been cleared for contact. If you remember, Jack Eichel, before he got his surgery, said that he was hopeful to be back in February. He actually said he wanted to play in the Olympics. They're NHL players aren't going to the Olympics now, but that would have been in February. Skating on, let's say, January 11th, 12th, 13th, whatever day it ends up being. Not cleared for contact, though. How optimistic do you think we should be that Jack Eichel is playing in a game for the Golden Knights sometime in February? I don't think as optimistic as some might be. We'll see. I mean, like he's been skating. Maybe he just wanted to get here and acclimate himself and see where he's going to live, and he can skate anywhere. Um, so I'm not as optimistic as I can, as uh, everyone else might be because I think it's a huge, huge hurdle where he can be let out to contact. That's the curious part to me because you remember we had that Kelly McCrimmon quote last week about, listen, people are going to think he's close, but he's still got to get cleared right. for contact, and that's going to be the final hurdle, and it's going to be a tough hurdle. I'm fascinated to see how long this is because it's going to be, it's going to be a weird look. I don't know if bad looks the right word, but it's going to be a weird look. If Jack Eichel, let's say he's skating today. If Jack Eichel starts skating with the golden Knights today, and he's been skating before, but he's, he's in Vegas, he's skating January 11th at city national arena. If we're going on like a month, month and a half of him, just skating, of just skating and him not being back, it's going to be an interesting look for a team that would be over the salary cap if they brought him. Yes. So I'm very curious to see how this plays out when he's able to play because we've had this conversation with a few different people before, but Jack Eichel is going to want to play. Jack Eichel is not going to oh, sure. care about the salary sure, cap no. situation. No. So I'm, I'm curious to see how this ultimately ends up playing out. We've had a request via Twitter to talk about the potential Evander Kane to Vegas. not going to happen. It's never going to happen. Yeah, I didn't think so no, either. So I mean, he might come back. Well, he might get arrested if he comes back. I know. Right? Did I, he I get don't. that? Did he get those? Uh, did he get charged with something here? What was it with his? No, he just did. I thought it was the gambling. Yeah, he just yeah. But yeah. did anything? He wasn't like no. He just literally that. just needed to. He just left without paying right. for the credit. Yeah. The line of credit they extended him. Make doing the credit, but yeah, I think he just signed. He just signed a check or something. This is one of those names where I don't believe they'll go after because they go after everyone else. So. I don't believe they'll go after him, and nor should they. But with he's no a complete disaster, with no sources, I can rule out Vander Kane <laughs> coming to Vegas. <laughs> oh God, you know he's going to sign a ten oh one today. <laughs> yeah, nine fifty nine. Have a good day. Great question. Thank you. Alec Martinez tested positive for COVID, so this is that like, opens up room for Vander Kane. Well, Alec Martinez is already out. Um, 
th this is like maybe one of the most unfortunate timings you could have because Martinez has been, he hasn't played since November 11th, got hurt. He returned to practice for one day and then tested positive for COVID <laughs> the next day. Like that's is brutal timing where it's like, yep, I'm coming back. I'm going to get back into, into shape, get back into the flow of things. Oh, I'm out for however long he ends up being out for after testing positive for COVID. So Alec Martinez, uh, does this mean he's off the horizon now? No, I think he's back on. He was off for a day. He was now closer than the horizon. Yes, now he's back yeah, on Yeah, the now they've shoved yeah. him back on with the COVID. So Alec Martinez, we'll see when he is able to come back, A, from COVID, and then B, from his injury, because that was still he was still needing to come back from his yeah. injury to be able to play. That's a great, great question. The Golden Knights released Lucas Alvinez. He, uh, according to David Shane, who talked to Kelly McCrimmon, uh, he was given an opportunity to play in Sweden, and the Golden Knights agreed to release him. He had not played with the Golden Knights this year or ever. He had 10 points in 20 games for the Silver Knights. I'm surprised the Golden Knights agreed to let him leave. Really? This is an organization that kept Shea Theodore and Alex Tuck in the AHL to start the first season because they were afraid of losing Jason Garrison for nothing. <laughs> this is not an organization that just gives up assets for no reason. And hey, a team in Sweden offered me a contract. I have to imagine the Golden Knights would say, and? Like, you're under contract here. I just... You think there's more to this? I'm very surprised the Golden Knights would simply let him leave for no reason other than, hey, guys, I want to go play in You're Sweden. insinuating something it about It might Lucas not be Elvinas. nefarious. It might be he's got a family member a, in yeah. Sweden. McCrimmon he, was a nice guy on that particular day. It was one of those particular uh, days. Are they, not that he's a nice, not a nice guy, but that... He was feeling feeling charitable. That's just not how this organization yeah. is run. I mean, my I guess my thoughts were, are they went, look, we've been devastated by injury and we haven't brought you up once. So uh yeah, go 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 play in Sweden. We're good. Next question. The Denver Broncos are interviewing everyone. Nice. Eric Bieniemy, Chiefs. Jonathan Gannon, Eagles. Luke Getze, Packers. Aaron Glenn, Lions. Nathaniel Hackett, Packers. Jared Mayo, Patriots. Kellen Moore, Cowboys. Kevin O'Connell, Rams. Dan Quinn, Cowboys. They have nine interviews set up with coordinators or assistant coaches on other NFL teams. I don't think the rest of the teams that have fired their head coaches in the league have combined to set up nine I was going to say, have they even have they combined for nine? Like, all we know is, like, uh, or not Tampa, um, uh, Jacksonville, Jacksonville interviewed both, both, Tampa, both Tampa coordinators. Yeah, both Tampa. That's like it. Otherwise, the Broncos are like, uh, somebody said something nice about you. Well, come to Denver. We're going to talk to you about this I mean, head coaching. All job. the Raiders done is fly to Ann Arbor. I mean, that's <laughs> they haven't the, done that yet. Yes. Well, not that we don't know. They haven't done that yet. But it's just like they are interviewing everyone. Which let me ask you this: when you see a team. It has nine interviews lined up, like the day after they fired Vic Fangio, too. Like they fired Vic Fangio, and 48 hours later, they've got nine interviews lined up. Does that tell you they do know what they're looking for, or they have no idea what they're looking for? I'll go with for? the latter. That's what I do, I'll too. I'll go with the latter. Because 
Some of these guys are defensive coordinators. Some of these guys are offensive some coordinators. Some are just assistants. Some are not even coordinators, not even right? Co- yeah. So to me, it's very much a, we don't know what we need to be looking for. Or what we so want. We're just going to cast a wide net and right. see who impresses us. Actually, okay, so that was going to be my point was, okay, the last couple coaches that they've hired were what they were looking for. Maybe they they need to be like, maybe it's like, hey, the person you always pick to date is a jerk. So maybe let's let's just expand your horizon a little bit and let's let's try a couple different people. See how you like them. Next question. The college football playoff will not expand until 2026 at the earliest. They have had meetings this week trying to figure out expansion. And apparently 2024 and 2025, they're not going to be able to expand by that time because they had to agree, I guess, this week on what the playoff expansion would look like. According to Ross Dellinger, the committee can't agree on when to schedule playoff games if they expand, how many automatic berths there will be, and how much this will basically impact other bowl games. You know, they pretend to be smart people, but how the hell is this taking so long, and why are people in that room fighting this? I just don't get this. This is it's like you're waiting around and you just at some point you just accept that it's just never gonna happen. They they're stuck on four and there's too many people in that room who are stubborn enough to keep st- sticking on four. I hate this. Yeah. I hate this. I yeah. wanted to expand. I want more teams in this thing. It is not that hard. No. What else do they out have to do what by the playoff way? expansion is? Like you're you're telling me they can't figure out the dates? Yeah. They can't figure out, they can't look at a calendar and decide when they should play the championship semifinal and quarterfinal games. They can't figure that out. They're in meetings for hours, like two days this week already. They can't figure out the dates, let alone anything else. They can't figure out what day of the year they want to play these games. What the hell are they doing in these meetings? That's like, what I'm saying. What else do they have to do? They they pick the four teams. They meet, you know, throughout the year and pick and, and do their rankings. I don't know what else they do. Yeah. Except decide if they're going to expand or not. What what other what what other responsibilities do the people in this committee have? It is and like the other idea that they can't figure out the automatic births. How many automatic births they'll be? Expand to 12, give all power five conferences an auto berth right. and guarantee one group of five team gets in and then the other six best teams get in. Done. Meeting yeah. adjourned. We're good. Championship game is going to be the Monday after week 18 in the NFL. The semifinals are January 1st or December 31st, depending on what day of the week it is. And the quarterfinals are right before Christmas. Meeting lit, over. Lit. College football playoff expansion Everyone go back to here. your respective schools. How is this so hard? We will have bowls. We will have, literally have bowls competing to be like, can we get that semifinal game? The famous yes. Idaho yes. potato bowl? Yes. We don't We don't care if we, we will. Yeah, yeah, we'll take the, Even the, we'll take the seven, eight. People will be lining up for those. Like, I do, I do not get it. I do not understand how they can have multiple meetings and not figure out the simplest things about this. That's it. Well, again, those are the reported details that they can't they can't figure out. When to schedule them and how many automatic, gets automatic first. And apparently they're worried about the bowl structure and what it's going to do to other bowl games. Who, who cares? It's going to exactly. make them more profitable. There's 40 of them. Right. 
They're like worried that the Mayo Bowl might get outshined because there's a playoff game the Guess same Guess what? Night. They already, it already yes. is. There's already only about 10 people there. Right. It's just, I, it's so annoying. Like it's, it's like everybody, uh, maybe not everybody, but the majority of people want expansion yes. in the college football playoff. It's something that will make the sport more fun, more entertaining, and they can't do it because of the dumbest details you've ever heard. Like it, like I don't know. It'd be one thing if like they can't agree on where money is gonna go or something like that, or they I don't know what detail could be acceptable. But the ones we've gotten that they can't agree on just annoy the hell. Just makes them look like idiots. Wouldn't wouldn't money be one of those that you would like? We'll we'll figure that out later. Like, we'll figure that out. Like, hey, all right, we got the details. Yeah. We'll let Once the they figure out what dates on the calendar they want to play. We haven't even gotten to the money part yet. This is going to be another five years before they figure that out. All right, coming up next, UNLV. They're going to play tonight, but we have no idea who's on the team. Sure. Brown skies in for the rebound. Has it stolen by Coleman. Coleman up ahead to Williams. Williams down the right side. Williams gets fouled. Oh, no way. Absolutely not. What a terrible call. They call an offensive foul on Williams when Berger, the player, was going backwards and falling down. What an absolute joke of a call. Kevin Kruger is going nuts, and I don't blame him. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. Be part of the conversation on the Finley Kia text line at 69187. Finley Kia, come see a Kia on West Sahara. UNLV plays a basketball game tonight against New Mexico. Who's playing for UNLV? Kevin Kruger? Might be. They might need a point guard. It might be Kevin Kruger. Uh, we don't know who is going to be available for UNLV. Uh, they had their last two games postponed because of COVID. UNLV did not play uh, over the weekend a game against Air Force because UNLV had COVID go through their team, and they had less than seven players. Uh, the Mountain West rules are you have to have seven players and at least one coach able to play, or else the game is going to get postponed or just straight up canceled because of COVID. You know, we did not have that over the weekend. It's now Tuesday. Kevin Kruger said yesterday that they do have enough players to play, and it's very unlikely that anything would happen COVID-wise that would cause that to change today. But Kevin Kruger, in college sports, they can't uh, give out like medical no. information no. about players. So Kevin Kruger, we don't know which players had COVID, currently have COVID, or have recovered, right, and have come out of the protocols. We don't know. Practice hasn't been open to the media either. They haven't even done really full-court practices anyways. So we genuinely showing up to the game tonight, I do not know a single UNLV player that will for sure be playing in the game. Do not know. It could be Kevin Kruger did say yesterday, there's a chance they're at full strength. There's a chance everybody's back for the game tonight. That seemed unlikely to me based on the way he was talking about it. But there's a chance they have exactly seven guys. There's a chance the whole roster's back. And who knows which players are actually able to play. And the other part of it, they haven't done full court drills in like a week. Guys that are just coming out of the protocols have been isolating. Like, guys being in game shape is a big yeah. question, too. Breathing. Like, like, there's a chance, like, 
take Bryce Hamilton, right? There's a chance Bryce Hamilton, he could be a guy that clears protocols today, and it's like, oh, they got Bryce Hamilton back. Yeah, he runs up and down the court twice right. and has to it's check like, out. Oh, he hasn't actually practiced in a week, right. and yeah, he's going to be tired. So uh, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you, what to expect, what to think. Like, is there even a line on this game? There can't be a line on this game, right? Like, that's got to be impossible to have because who, who's playing for UNLV? I, nobody knows. Uh, what'll be fascinating, though, on the idea of guys potentially being out of shape or on the idea of UNLV only having seven players, New Mexico is one of the 20 fastest teams in the country. They play at an extremely high tempo. It would not surprise me tonight if UNLV only has like eight guys. If Kevin Kruger tries to play the slowest basketball game in the history of the sport. Like if he says, hey guys, we're going to play a zone and we are going to walk, walk the ball up, up the floor right. and we're shooting every, every shot five seconds or less on the yeah. shot clock. Would not surprise me one bit if that's what they do because A, New Mexico already plays fast, but B... If you're not full strength or if you've got seven guys or if you've got guys that are just coming back, I don't know how you expect to go play a track meet against New Mexico. Rebels lane six. There is a line on yeah. it. Rebels lane six. Do they know who's playing in this game? I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know. <laughs> I don't know if they knew about the COVID issues. Like Ken Palm, Ken Palm Ken has Palm UNLV predict? winning by eight, but Ken Palm does not adjust they don't, for they injuries. They don't adjust for COVID or, or any of that. Guys being out. They, they right. just... Right, there's three hundred seven teams. Yeah, it's just an algorithm based on how you've performed in the past and what they expect you to do in the future. New Mexico's not very good. No, they're not very good. Although they did take Utah State to overtime, they lost that game, but they took Utah State to New overtime. New Mexico will not have its head coach. They will not, which I think is a smaller deal than not having potentially yeah, five player players. Right. So I again, if both teams were at full strength, I'd tell you I think UNLV wins this game. I don't think New Mexico. New Mexico's bad defensively. Right. Like. I think UNLV wins. If both, if you told me both teams are full strength, I'd say this is a not easy win, but this is one of the easier wins on the Mountain West schedule for UNLV. But because I don't know who's playing in this game, I don't know what to tell you. I And I don't even know, like, in all seriousness, if they lose this game by 15, I, I don't even know that we're that critical of them tomorrow. Right. I mean, I guess it depends on who they have. Right. But even, like, even if they have guys and it's like, oh, they haven't practiced in a week Right. They haven't run up and down a court in a week. Like, I don't even know that we're that critical tomorrow if they lose to a bad team by 15 because what have they done for the last week and who's even playing for them? Is there any chance this league, because Wyoming San Diego State got uh, postponed again, and I know UNLV's Air Force game is being scheduled for January 20th. We've talked about this. Is there any chance this league gets all these games no, back in? There's no. just no chance. I, I mean, mean, this means this means that... UNLV will play three yeah. games in five days. SDSU at SDSU at Air Force versus San Jose. Yeah. I mean, three in five days. Yeah, I uh, I don't think there's any way because that's they're already to reschedule one missed game, yeah. making UNLV play three and five. Yeah, and that's just one. You can't do that that often. Like you can't be asking teams to play ev- three games every week, basically. Like right. you can't go from a hey we're playing twice a week to now to three. we're playing three, three and five days. Like it's just it'd be brutal if that's what they had to do. So I I'm impressed they got that Air Force game squeezed in there so that UNLV is in a three and five day schedule or uh, schedule there. I'm going to be curious to ask Kevin Kruger about that. How much did they push back on the idea that they're going to have three and five that they're going to go to San Diego? then two Colorado Springs, then come back to Vegas for a game. Like they're literally playing, traveling, playing, traveling, right. playing. Like that's what they're doing for five days. So 
I'm curious how much pushback there was from Kevin Kruger because I don't believe I'd have to double check. I don't believe we've seen another Mountain West game rescheduled in that fashion. No, where it's where it's no. We had heard about that if they ramming a game days, in ramming to a week where which means teams again playing twice. It's going to come down to win percentage because there's no way they can get all oh, these yeah. games in. There's oh, yeah. no chance. It's going to be yeah. It's going to be hey is eleven and two better than twelve and four right. or something like right. that or how if somebody gets to sixteen games. So I'm yeah. It's going to be an interesting Mountain West season. It's going to be interesting also who you play. Because oh, yeah. I mean UNLV's getting the Air Force game rescheduled, but they miss they missed a game against San Jose State. Yeah. And like if we're doing just straight up win percentage, missing San Jose State hurts. Absolutely. That one, that one that's a big deal. That's like if you're trying to accumulate wins and get a better yeah. seed, missing San Jose State hurts a lot because that's a guaranteed win, pretty much, as close as it is. Like that's as close to They're a win fortunate as you they could get have. San Jose State first year. Are they? Third. Are they? Well, I mean, I don't know if they're fortunate either way, but had it been third on the five days, then that could have been bad. I think they would have been fortunate if that game had gotten postponed. <laughs> well, hey, we're we're still uh what we're still uh ten days out of it, so we you are. Never know. Yes, that is. I mean, uh, you never know. Next week, so it, it could happen. Um, yeah, I just. It's going to be a bizarre season, and tonight's going to be bizarre. I think the the one good news is that if it ran through the entire UNLV team, well, they should be good they should to go be okay, the rest good of the year. to go. Yeah, um, that would be my guess. I don't know if that's accurate, but they should be good to go the rest of the year. Um, it's their protocol. The protocol should allow them to play the rest of the season. Yeah. Uh, without any interruption. Uh, so I guess that's the one good news. But I mean, I don't know what it's I don't know how much is running through each kid in each program. But man, it's ran through so many. You wonder if eventually it's just going to be done with and they're going to be able to get games in. Yes. Every one of these teams are yes. having pauses. Yeah. It's it's going to be brutal for them. So, yeah. but we'll see. Tonight I'm a little excited just to see what happens, but also like is this just going to be ugly? Like, are we just going to watch something that's that's a nightmare? So we'll see. But uh, yeah, oh well. No, they put a they put a line on it. I'm looking at the line right now. It didn't uh, it's six? It hasn't moved at all. I'm, how, I, how I mean, do they, they have just, a line? They must. And, and here's the thing: it's not that they it's not that they didn't know that they didn't play their last game. Yeah, they would have known that. Right. Still put up a line. Yeah, it's it's impressive that uh, they've got a line up for yeah. that. I feel like. I should have a strong take. If I knew who was playing, I'd have a strong take on UNLV minus six because I'd be like, hey, guys, Bryce Hamilton is out. Don't bet on UNLV. But, (laughs) hey, guys, Bryce Hamilton is playing. Maybe you should. I don't know. I don't know what to do with that. Coming up next, do we think Charles McDonald answers the phone? I love Jim Harbaugh. Had the opportunity once before to come to the the, uh, Miami Dolphins, but uh, he's at the University of Michigan. As everybody really knows, and I guess that's really, that is my school I graduated from, and I'm very involved in it. And I'm not going to be the person who takes Jim Harbaugh to the University of Michigan. I hope he stays there. He is a great coach. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. Joining us now, you can follow him on Twitter at 4 You can find his work at For the Win. Charles, I got to say, first off, thank you so much for joining us the day after Alabama lost and Georgia wins the national championship. Um, 
<laughs> having some uh, technical difficulties. I'm not uh, my sharpest right now. Uh, yeah, last night was awesome. Might be able to hear my voice. <laughs> what? Uh, okay. At what point in the game did you actually think Georgia was going to win it? <laughs> when they got the interception okay. return at the end. Uh, <laughs> that was literally the only time where. Uh, because I mean, I'm a UGA and a Falcons fan. Like I, I, I can't expect things to the good things to happen until we actually get to the very end of the game. So even when they were when they were up 26 to 18, I was like, all right, well, here comes Bryce Young. He's about to come down the field and you know score a touchdown. They're going to get two and probably win the coin toss for overtime. And I'm about to be heartbroken again. But uh, they came through and they got it done. And uh, I was pleasantly surprised because. You know, like I said, they were 0-4 against uh, Nick Saban before this in the Kirby Spar era. I had no reason not to believe it was 0-5. Even when Jameson Williamson got hurt, uh, I was texting my buddies. I'm like, wait, just, just wait and see how they blow this game now. Uh, but they didn't, and they got to the finish line, and it was, uh, it was awesome. You believe in a kid named Stetson now? Uh, no, but <laughs> yeah, I believe in the other guys. Uh, all the other five stars they got. I mean, I, I, to me, like, yeah, it was funny because I think it was Danny Cannell last night who had tweet was like, Stetson Ben is showing the stars overrated, but I, I think that that's kind of like the opposite of the take from last night. Like, if you have a roster so good, you can beat Alabama with someone like Stetson Bennett. I mean, uh, you know, you can talk about the injuries for Alabama, but Georgia had them too. Uh, they were missing like the top two receivers that they thought they're going to have coming to the season. Uh, missing two of their starting defensive backs uh, due to injury, including Tyke Smith, who's probably going to be like a top fifty pick in the NFL draft. So, uh, you know, it, it was a great win. And uh, when you have a, a roster where you have two of the like, I think in the, in the past three years, Georgia has like the, the two two years two of the two of the past three years they have the number one recruiting class. I think that definitely showed uh, last night. And I'm sure you know both. Teams are about to put a ton of players and teams to the NFL. Like to me, that's one of those games where you look back. It's like a you know 2010 Auburn Alabama game where you look back in a few years and like, wow, that game had a ton of pros. Uh, you know that were sitting on the field. All right. Do you believe this premise? The way to win in college football and beat Nick Saban is to have a head coach with a cartoon-like name like Jimbo, Dabo, or Kirby. Yeah, I think that might be it. That and, uh, you know, you, you get your bag man across the country and your phone kids <laughs> from, uh, from Georgia, from, from California and God knows where to come down to Athens, Georgia or Tuscaloosa. So, you know, I, I think the, the silly names uh, definitely help, but, you know, even a little uh, under the table bag man never hurt anybody either. And I, I think that everyone's kind of happy with the result last night. All right. I have an important question for you. With the Braves winning, and Georgia winning, has the state of Georgia finally shaken this idea that they're always going to choke in the big moments? Uh, I, I, I think it, it – I, I definitely think that this has uh, helped a lot, obviously, because, I mean, the Braves and the Bulldogs haven't won uh, in a long time, but big ones still got to be the Falcons, only because you have the recent history of being up and big in that game. So, you know, I think that uh, – the Braves and the Bulldogs winning definitely helps, but until the Falcons can get, I wouldn't even say back to the Super Bowl, I would just say like looking like a competent team again and playing playoff football, then I think we can start to move past it. But 
uh, the Falcons collapse was just so epic and historic that I, I still think you might need to see a little bit more competency for them before we can say the monkey's fully off her back. But for Georgia and, you know, the Braves, like that, that was huge because it's something they haven't done in such a long time. Did you want a tie in the Raiders Chargers just because it would have been a tie or because we don't want to see Ben Roethlisberger again? Um, I mean, I'm kind of, I, I, no, I didn't want to see a tie because, Play to win, bro. I don't know. What, what are we doing? We're going to stay here and hurt each other for four quarters, and then just at the end of the game, say, "Oh no, you know what? We're going to we're going to do a tie. Like we're going to do a tie with our divisional rivals. No, win the game." Uh, and I do understand like the 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 overarching theme of keeping Big Ben in the playoffs because I mean I'm also someone who thinks like we really need to play that Chiefs Steelers game. <laughs> it kind of seems like a waste of time. Maybe we can just go back to the old system uh, for the AFC side and give the Chiefs a bye in the first round because I feel like that's what's about to happen uh, this coming weekend. So I definitely understand keeping Dick Ben out of the playoffs. I mean, you know, like two weeks ago, the guy threw like three yards past the fence. That's, like, that's not football that anyone needs to see. But <laughs> just in general, the spirit of competition, no. Like you're in a game against a divisional rival, you have a chance to knock him out at the end. And then, like, Let's say that you're going to, like, you have the plans to tie the game at the end. But once they call a timeout, like, you don't know if, if they get a stop on third down or, or fourth down, you don't know if they're going to call another timeout uh, and try to get the ball back into Justin Herbert's hands with like 20 seconds on the clock. And we know without he was playing on Sunday, that could end up disastrous for the Raiders. So win the game. Uh, you know, don't trust your opponents ever. You, know, you can't do this wink, wink, nod, nod stuff. You have a chance to win the game and not play the Chiefs in the first round. They've got to go after it. The Chargers ended their season losing two of their last three to the Texans and the Raiders. How much uh, should we sort of downgrade our hype of Justin Herbert and Brandon Staley because of that? Um, I don't think like all that much. Uh, I think the future is just so bright with those guys. And, you know, even with Herbert this time this year, like you saw – Obviously, we know how, how good he is and what the ceiling is uh, on what he can be, but uh, he still has some moments where he looked like a young quarterback this year. And, you know, I, I think that Brandon Staley maybe a couple times have got, got ahead of himself uh, with some of the fourth down calls, but I think over the long run that that's going to be something that is a, a huge positive for that team because, you know, if you're if you're if someone, you know, it's, it's, it's not, like not to – equated to a video game, but it's kind of like Madden. Like, if you're sitting there in Madden and it's four than five, maybe most teams don't want to go for it, but I got Justin Herbert on my side. And I think we saw, like, on that the two-point play uh, late in that game where you could have a bad play call like the one that they called uh, when they were down 29 to 14, uh, you know, to get a little bit close. You could have a bad play call, but still have if your quarterback special enough, you can convert some of these chances still. Uh, I'm still pretty hyped on the Chargers, and I think at the end of the day, uh, we have to remember it's the Chargers. Like this is kind of what they do sometimes. Uh, this is why I call them Falcons West. Like you, you can get up big in these games or, or have chances to win big games, but you don't always come through. And I, I don't think that it's a diamond on what they're going to be long term. But you know, they, they, they still have a shake in the ghost of Philip Rivers quite yet. Given the records around 500, if not below, were you surprised as most everyone seemed to be about Brian Flores? And also, what do you think the best job is so far that's been open? Um, 
I was definitely surprised uh, about Brian Flores. And, you know, I think the, some of the record stuff is a little bit unfair because, you know, the first year they were basically tearing the whole thing down. Uh, I think they were like 2-14. Like, we all, we all remember the game that basically kicked off Lamar Jackson's MVP hype where uh, he had more touchdowns and completions, and they've come a long way in a short time since that game. Uh, I, I was definitely surprised. Uh, I don't think he's going to be unemployed very long. I think we already saw uh, he was he's getting interviewed for the uh, the Bears job uh, sometime this week. So <laughs> I, I I thought that didn't make any sense. Honestly, I thought that the GM should have gone before the head coach because he put together a roster that can't block, and you still uh, don't know if two was the guy where you can you know kind of lean an offense on him. So I I, I definitely thought that that was kind of a weird decision, and I think that they're going to be hard-pressed to find someone who's going to come in there and do a better job than Brian Flores until they figure out the offensive situation. Which NFC West team do you think has the best chance to go to the Super Bowl? Um, I think the Rams. Uh, one, like you have the home game. Uh, you don't have to go through the road like the 49ers and the Cardinals do. Uh, and I just like uh, – I, I, I kind of – you know, like the options that Matthew Stafford gives Tom McVay even to the playoffs. Obviously, his connection with Cooper Cup is crazy. And you have these guys on defense that can break a game for you, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey. So, you know, of the NFC West teams, I think the Rams, just based on how their roster is set up and also just the fact that they have a better home field advantage to the playoffs than the other two teams, makes it more likely to get there. How many teams can beat Tennessee? <laughs> I mean, I hope there aren't any Titans fans listening because I, I think that like any team, the AFC except the Steelers, has a chance to beat them in the playoffs. Uh, I don't care. I don't think this team's all that good. I know that uh, you know it, 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 it was a lot for them to kind of get here and get to this spot, but uh, when I compare them to the Chiefs, the Bills, uh, maybe the Patriots, like I, I just don't really see you know a team that a whole lot of people should be afraid of, but. Uh, if that comes back, invite me in the butt. I don't care. I'm Titans fan. Come find me. <laughs> There's only like seven of them, so you're fine. Yeah, I'm not that many. I'll, I'll I'll just run away. Uh, all right. Obviously, they're still playing, so we'll see what happens in the playoffs. But if you're the Raiders, does Rich Bisaccia making the playoffs mean you should hire Rich Bisaccia to be your head coach? Uh, no, not necessarily. But I think. Uh, I think he's done enough to be like included on uh, on the talk. Uh, like he's, I think he's definitely done enough to get himself an interview and and be a serious candidate for the job. Um, you know, I, I, I think that 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 end of game sequence against the Chargers is kind of huge for him uh, and his candidacy because it showed that you know he can make the right decisions in uh, you know tight situational play and high leverage situations to go for the win. Uh, and get the field goal there at the end of the game. So I, I think that you know, he's done a better job than expected, um, and he deserves a, a real chance to get the job. But that doesn't mean that you like, close your off to better candidates and see or, or just see what's out there and talk to other people because, you know, it, it's never a bad idea to get more information on the field when you're making such uh, a pivotal hire like this. So, you know, whether it's Jim Harbaugh, Byron Leftwich, or – Something like that. They should definitely keep their their eyes open. But Rich definitely deserves a chance to interview for the job and and seriously be considered after what he's done this year. Well, he is Charles McDonald again. Follow him on Twitter at Four Verts. Check out his work at For the Win. Charles, as always, we appreciate it and congratulations on Georgia winning a national championship. Thanks, Charles. Go dog.
<laughs> All right, coming up next, we actually are going to have a meeting in Major League Baseball. We might get a season. You've got to take into consideration how good your team is, how good they are at stopping the run, how good they are on short yardage, uh, the weather, on and on. And you got to look at risk and reward. On your own 18, the reward might be, hey, you might make another first down, you might get a little bit better field position, but you're probably not going to score. That's right. The risk, if you don't make it, they're going to score. You know, and so you got to look at risk and reward on any decision like this. We're back to the Press Box with Grady and Bischoff, live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. Guess what we have, Ed? We have an actual date for when MLB owners and the Players Association are going to meet again. Oh, Thursday. Tickets to Tool. We do have tickets to Tool coming up (laughs) later in the show. That was the the (laughs) lead-in. But we have an actual date. According to Jeff Passan, Thursday. This is going to happen. Thursday, we will have actual meetings between the owners and players. And we have not had that in over a month since December 2nd is when we had the last time the players and owners met. Which means I have absolutely no faith this means anything. Yes. So there was a story in The Athletic about this. And Major League Baseball, the owner's side, is actually apparently going to present some sort of new core economic proposals to the players because the players, they want free agency earlier um, and they want some other economic things here. And apparently Major League Baseball is going to produce a counteroffer to what the players last presented. But also, according to that story, the start of spring training is in real peril. So here's my question for you. We talked to Tim Kirkshin yesterday, and he sort of raised the point of like, eh, might not be a lot that happens until players or owners feel pressure of actually missing something. Like right now... Yeah, players can't like get into facilities and stuff like that. And uh, spring training, like pitchers and catchers would normally be reporting relatively soon. Spring training would be coming up soon. But I'm curious, like, what is the deadline that you think creates pressure? Like, where, like, is it the start of the season? I think it's, I think it's what they've never done before and they've never lost regular season games. So is it not at least a few weeks before that to get ready? Or like, yes. You mean for spring training? Right. Because yes. if they if they came to what when does the season start? Like March thirtieth or something right. like that? Like first week of April. If they came to an agreement March twenty eighth. Right. They're not playing the first no. games of the season as scheduled. So I'm I'm very curious like when that deadline pressure starts to 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 hit home for either the players or the owners that actually spurs work towards an agreement. Because Well the pressure for our, the players are always when are we gonna start losing money? Right. And so it has to be, you know, before March 28th. It's got to be before the season starts because, again, you can't just – we saw that in the 60-game season. You can't just say, hey, we're playing tomorrow and have guys show up ready to go. Pitchers have to build themselves up. It's it's a whole process in baseball. So I am – I don't know. I'm fascinated to see when we start to get real movement on it. I'm hopeful, as a baseball fan – that that happens Thursday. I'm hopeful that there's a economic proposal from the owners and the players say, huh, we, we like some of this. You guys gave us some concessions. We'll agree to your concessions and let's go. Let's play baseball. That's not going to happen, but I'd like to think that happens on Thursday. 
But I, love, I love the tweet I just saw. The ten minutes after the meeting, the players are going to say the economic proposal are worse than the last one. It probably will. Yes, they'll be like, "Wait a minute, you didn't give us anything." <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the meeting. These are worse than you told us the last time. I yeah, that would honestly not be that surprising, would it? I mean, oh if, no, if they what did they have a seven was it a seven minute meeting right before the yeah. lockout? The yeah. day, the last day of the previous CBA. They had a seven-minute meeting, and they're like, well, we're not agreeing to anything, so let's just leave. Right. And, yeah, if we get to 10, that'd be an improvement, I think. 10 minutes? The owners give great. their presentation for nine, and the players, players say, walk out. what about Thanks this? And they say, we aren't doing that, and they leave. They walk out. <laughs> I don't I don't think they miss regular season games because I don't think players lose money because they've never lost money. It's happened in the NBA, but it has not happened in baseball where they lose regular season games. I don't think it gets that. But you make a good point. You're not going to tell any pitcher that it's the 28th and you're pitching on Tuesday. Right. I mean, they might be. Look, I would hope they're all working on the side here. I mean, they they have to be uh, in case something like this happens and it kind of drags on. But, you know, facing live hitters, going through what they usually do in spring training. Right. I think the players would say, no, we're not doing that. Right. You're just not going to be ready to go. And not enough guys are going to be ready to go. So... I don't know. I'm I am not optimistic. You seem optimistic about not missing regular season games. I'm not. Oh, you think they will? I I think I think we're missing regular season games. I for whatever reason I feel like this group of players are going to be the ones that say we're willing to miss games to get what we want. Hmm. Now, how many games? Eh, you know, you get two or three weeks in, you're going to have players you start missing checks. You're going to have players, a part of the players association saying, Hey guys, yeah. I just want to play. Yeah. Like I don't make as much as him. Yeah. Right. I just, and we call those people scabs <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it, they can either stand with the line or they, you know, they don't have to be a man. So that's, I'm, I'm not optimistic that we get the season starting on time as it normally would, which by the way, me personally, the Astros open the season at home against the Phillies. I have a friend that's a Phillies fan. The Final Four is in New Orleans, New Orleans. which is five hours away from Houston. Right. We are trying to plan a trip to go to Houston, watch the Astros and Phillies, and, and drive go, watch to Final Four. go watch the national championship game. Um, so let's get this figured out so I can have a good weekend. That's all you care about. Yes. <laughs> I mean, one of those things is surely enough. So, you know, you get the national championship game. That's fun. You get to the next day. Yeah, there's day. Nothing, nothing like Final Fours, man. Yeah, we're not going a... if there's no oh, baseball. Wow, wow. Oh. I'm an Astros fan. He's a Phillies fan. We're not just randomly flying to New Orleans to go watch the national championship. New Orleans is fun. You can get one of those big, long margaritas. <laughs> New Orleans is kind of a nightmare. It smells funny. Uh, yeah. There's horse poop yeah, does. In the, on the road. It does It does smell funny. I've been there a lot. But it's, it was, got you know. Somewhat of an odor. 19-year-old college student, like the best city to go to. Right, right. Like, yeah, they not don't exactly now. check IDs in New Orleans. Right. <laughs> you go into a bar, just saying. <laughs> they don't really care too much. So it's a great place to go when I was nineteen. But yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't have. A you don't strong, feel the need anymore. I don't to have a strong desire places. to go to New Orleans right. for three days. Right. Like, oh, the national championships there, and I'll spend like one night in New Orleans. All right, yes, right. I'll do that. But like a whole weekend, eh. right? No, I want to watch some baseball, Jared. I want to watch some baseball. That's all I want. Give me some baseball, please. And by the way, the other thing about this that's very personally selfish. You're a Dodgers fan and I'm an Astros fan. They're both good at the sport right now. 
Can we stop having shortened seasons while my team could win championships? Yes. <laughs> Can we just have some normal damn seasons? <laughs> like when the Astros are losing 100 games, why didn't we have a lockout then? That would have been great. Are you like Tim Kirchin where you like the universal DH in both? Absolutely. Yes. No, I don't want to see pitchers bad. Right. No chance. The only pitcher I want to see bad is Zach Greinke so he can get his 10 home runs and 10 stolen bases and then retire because that's what he wants to do. And Otani. Well, he doesn't really count. I mean, he, he's not a real pitcher. He's a hitter who can throw. Wait, we've got him playing for every position. That's right. World Series champs.